All right. Well, good morning, everybody. So, like Rob mentioned, those fall October, if you've already signed up to help, that's only two weeks away from this Sunday. So, if you've already signed up, make sure you stop by to get your um, T-shirt right up the top. And if you haven't already signed up, make sure that you do that before you leave here today, because it takes an army to do this. We have around 1,500 people that show up here on this property. It is fantastic. One of my favorite things that we do as a church, we have the Ferris wheel nailed down, which is always a hard thing, but it is nailed down. We have a Ferris wheel coming, and which is a lot of fun, plus all those other things. And so we transform this property. Uh, we're also building a stage here for bands and, and musicians that are going to be singing throughout the evening. Uh, and uh, we're just, it's just going to be fantastic. It's going to be a great evening. So hope you guys set that time aside. Two weeks. Um, October 28th, is that the date of it? October 28th from 4 to 8. Um, so this is something you'll want to come to as well as bring your friends to. It's fantastic. It is a great thing. Also, today, after second service, we have truckloads of pumpkins coming. And so I know you're in first service, but if you'd like to come back after second service, 1 o'clock, to help unload all those pumpkins, we're putting all of those out here uh, for all the proceeds are going to go to help with October and help in all, all of that. And, um, and so they're going to be out on display. Make sure you pick up your own and buy a few to be able to take back to, to your house. And, and uh, let's just kind of do this together. And for those of you that come back to help, we'll have lunch for you after you unload the pumpkins. We'll have lunch for you upstairs that's being catered and it'll be fantastic. All right, uh, how many was at the Catalyst Retreat the last 24 hours? Let me see your hands. Well, you guys all came for first service. Thank you so much. Um, for those of you who don't know anything what I just said, Catalyst is a kind of our internal discipleship program, and for the first time, we had it up at Highland Lakes Camps and a conference center because we could no longer fit everybody in this facility. So we had over 300 people um, Friday night and all day Saturday. So we finished late last night. And so that's why I made the comment. I'm so glad to see a lot of you here in the first service. Everybody else is coming, I think, second service. And so yeah, yeah, just so you know, uh, I think all of our bodies are just a little bit tired. But at the same time, I think our spirits are energized for what God is, has done. Don't you, don't you think he did a lot of great things for those of you who went to Catalyst Retreat, everybody? Yeah. That's really good. All right, get your Bibles out here, if you would, please. We are starting our little mini-series that we do every year that, we're call, that we call Legacy. And this is something that we focus on uh, during this time of year, each year, in order to do what we are called to do, and that is to make a difference. That is what God has called us to do. And when you think about it, our goal in life is not to live forever, but the goal really is to leave something that does, to leave a legacy. And so in December each year, we do a thing around here at One Chapel where we take a special offering called our Legacy Offering. And, and this year's date is December 9th. And I want to ask you just to make a note of that. Um, that's when we do this. And the reason why I'm, we're, we're starting to talk about it now is because I don't ever, as your pastor, I don't ever want you to feel like you're being pressured into something, like you're under some sort of compulsion or that you, that you feel forced to do something. And, and so that's why we talk about this eight weeks out in advance so that, so that you can be thinking about it and you can be praying about it. You can be talking about it and, and seeing whether or not you would want to give towards this, 
this special offering that we do every, every, every time during the Christmas season. Because we take one offering during the Christmas season that's above and beyond what we'd normally give during our normally tithes and offerings. And we use that as what we call our, our legacy giving in order to take one giant step forward as a church to really fulfill this call of making a difference in our community. And for all of you who were around last year when we did this, we all gave above and beyond. It was absolutely astounding what was given last year. And as a result, we were able to do some really extraordinary things as a church, um, region-wide as, as one chapel, but also here in our community. For those of you who were around last year, we gave $150 to every teacher and every staff person up at West Cypress Elementary School. And it was just an extraordinary thing to be a part of and to surprise the teachers and the staff. And I think every one of us know that our teachers are underpaid and they give so much of themselves and so much to our community. And so it was just a fantastic thing just to come alongside and to thank them for the amazing things that they do in our community as well. We were able to do a, an extreme makeover just right up the hill in the Little Country Diner, um, which was a lot of fun. We came on a Sunday and after church, a whole crew of people went up there and began to transform that inside and outside and to really bless the, the owners of the Little Country Diner. Um, in addition, uh, we bought a bus and a van for the youth ministry. And if you haven't noticed yet, right sitting out here in our parking lot, you also purchased a coffee truck. So it's a coffee trailer, and you know why? Because there's no coffee in this community. And we kind of feel obligated to be a part of supplying coffee for our community. And so it's going to open up at Falltober. It'll be open, and then from Monday through Saturday, I think it's like 6 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon, the coffee trailer will be open. It's called Grounded Coffee Company is what it's going to be called. And, and just a way to serve the, uh, the, our community. It's a felt need in our community, right? It's, coffee is a felt need. And for all you coffee drinkers, uh, it's a prayer that has been answered that we'll have coffee here in the hill country. As well, we were able to put a bunch of money away in the vision that we have as one chapel to plant 10 churches in the next 10 years. And, and so as we look towards this next year, part of our legacy offering will continue to go towards the planting of churches. And by the way, we have in 2019 scheduled our next one chapel church plant. And I'll tell you more about that in, in, uh, as we get along in, into year 2019. But, um, and, and I think just something important for you to understand, every dollar that you give, 2% of that goes toward this effort of planting churches in the, in the Austin region. But our legacy giving, there's, we're able to put a big chunk away into that so that we can do it quicker. It takes about $100,000 to launch a new campus. And so we just kind of little by little, but as well in, with the legacy, we're able to dump a lot of money into that to be able to push that forward. But in addition, we're going to do specifically things here in our community as well, just like we did last year. And so I want you to be a part of the dreaming of this, to dream about what could God do in and through us as we give above and beyond to be a blessing to our community. I felt like last year and being able to give to the teachers at West Cypress Elementary School as well as to help this local business up here on the hill, I felt like it just struck a chord 
of something that we could do as a church and to really be a blessing to our community. So I want you to start dreaming about what 2019 can be about. How can we bless our community? And, and I've talked with Amber and, and Jonathan about this, but I, I feel in my own heart, I, I feel like there's something we, need, we should do to bless Spicewood Elementary School this year as, as Jonathan and Amber are going through with their daughter who is in... Um, in kindergarten last year and would be in first grade this year as she is fighting the fight of leukemia that the teachers and all that administration over there, I feel like we should do something just to come alongside of what God's already stirring there. But I want you to be dreaming just about what it is and, and please forward me those thoughts and um, as we give for this. And so mark on your calendars, December 9th. And like I said, be praying about it, be thinking about it, be talking about it. Um, if, if you're married, talk about it as a husband and wife. If you have kids, talk about it as a kids. And, and, uh, um, and just begin to think about and maybe even start setting money aside for that because that's eight weeks away. And for me, this is just one of the favorite things that I think we do as a church. Because there's, I, just, I just think one of the re major reasons why we exist as a church is to make a difference for eternity. I don't ever want us just to do church where we come in and we hunker down into a church building. We kind of do our thing, and yet we don't make a, a difference in our community. I believe the role of the church is to help transform the communities in which we live in. And honestly, I think that's the same for us individually. I believe you, and I believe I am called to make a difference that that's part of God's purpose for our lives, that there's significance to our lives. And I think there's something inside of every single one of us that gets it. I think there's something inside of you that stirs, even when we talk about this, because I think God's put something inside of every one of us that we want to make a difference, that we actually want to kind of change the trajectory of our life, that we want to maybe even change what your family is known for and, and to leave a positive legacy on the world. Let me give you a definition of legacy. So legacy is something such as a tradition or problem that exists as a result of something that happened in the past. It's something that someone has achieved that continues to exist after they stop working or they die. Now, I want you to listen to the definition there because notice that your legacy can be positive or negative. In other words, you will leave a legacy. The only question is, what type of legacy will you leave? When this body of yours gives out, and it will give out in one day, how are you going to be remembered? Look at this in John chapter 12. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, or you can follow along on the screen. John chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says this, Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. And if you want to finish the rest of the story in Mark chapter 14, verse 6, it says this. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. 
the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. If you're taking notes in your Bible, underline that phrase, she did what she could. I think that's the essence of legacy, that you, that I, that we do what we can, that we do what God tells us to do. You look at your life, you look at your blessings, you look at the love and the grace and the mercy you've received. You look at the, the restoration, the healing, and the hope that you've received. You look at the forgiveness and the second chance and the third chance and the hundredth chance that you've received. You look at your life and then you do what you can to honor God in your giving. Verse 8. She did what she could. She poured the perfume on my body before him to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I just think this is an extraordinary picture of her extravagant love, right? She went the extra mile. And again, I think there's something inside of us that wants to live our lives this way because love has to do something. Love is not passive. Love doesn't just sit back and just sit there with that emotion. Love compels you to do something. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that what? That he gave his one and only son. Love forces us to do something. True love causes us to be extravagant. Um, maybe you've heard some of Courtney and I's story. We, we talked a couple weeks ago just on marriage. And, and uh, after college, I, I, was in, I, went to, um, I was over in Europe um, uh, at a church in Germany. I was over there for a couple of years, and we started corresponding over there. And, and I came back here to the States, only be here for about six weeks, and then move over to Poland. And while I was here during that six weeks, it all kind of blew up, and, and, those, and our plans didn't happen. But it caused our relationship to kind of be on overdrive. It was going really fast. And so even though I ended up not going, ended up staying here, our relationship was still on the speed of that I was going to be leaving in six weeks. And so we started dating while, we, while, while I was here during that six weeks and, and then stayed here. And then two weeks later, I asked her to marry me. Um, that's how fast things were going in our relationship and uh, the day that um, I had asked her to, 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 to marry me, um, I was living with, in Colorado Springs with an, an older couple. They had graciously let me stay with them because I had no place that I was living and I moved to Colorado Springs and just hadn't had my place yet. And so I was living with them. And, and in their living room, they had this grand piano. And I grew up in a very musical family and I grew up playing the piano and and so, especially over Europe, and when I was living over in Germany, the family there also had a piano, and it was just kind of my way of decompressing and letting my, kind of my soul sing and just create. It's just, that was just kind of my, my, my release there. And I found myself, the day before I asked her to marry me, I found myself beginning to write and a, sing a song all about her. And so... The day that I was going to ask her to marry me, I invited her over to the house, and I had her sit in the living room, and believe it or not, everybody, I had written a song, and I sat at the piano, and I played and sang the song for her that I wrote for her. <clears throat> All of you who know me think, what in the world? 
because I don't, I'm not necessarily that type of gushy person, but love causes you to do extravagant things, everybody. That's, that's the nature of love, and this is what Mary did. Mary was extravagant in her love to Jesus, and she did what she could. And as a result of this, it changed the atmosphere of where she was. I want you to think about this, because when we all gave last year, and we gave $150 to every teacher and every staff person up there at West Cypress Elementary School, it changed the atmosphere of this area. When you all gave, when we all gave for the, that extreme makeover up in the hill on the, on the little country diner, it changed the atmosphere of this area. You did that. You did that when you gave, when you, out of your love, it changed the atmosphere of the area when we live. And, and not only that, when we think about Mary, because Mary did what she could out of her extravagant giving, when she did that, it has been spoken about for the last 2,000 years all over this world. And let me suggest to you, the same thing has happened in your generosity and your love and your giving. When you gave to the teachers at West Cypress Elementary School, not only did it cause a buzz within the school and the families there, but it's been talked about in this whole Lake Travis area. I keep hearing it even today. People talk about, I can't believe that the church did that. When you gave towards that extreme makeover, the Little Country Diner, it became the buzz, not just for the patrons that go there to eat, but it became ta it talked about throughout the Lake Travis area. And I continue to hear about it and it, because you did it. You gave, your love was extravagant, and it ca has caused it to be talked about all over this area. Now, go back to John chapter 12, because if you, if you were listening when I read this, there's another person in this story, and his name is Judas. Mary's not the only one here in the story. Judas is also here in the story, and just like Mary, Judas has some choices, but with Judas, he was a controller. He was a controller. In verse 4, it says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Now, what was Judas objecting? Judas was objecting to the extravagant love that Mary was showing Jesus. See, Judas was trying to control what was happening there in that room. But let me suggest to something to every single one of us, and that is that you can't control everything. And I know a lot of our personalities think that we can, and we do our best to try to control everything. But let me tell you something about control, because the nature of control is that it ends the story. The story ends. When you try to control it, the story ends, because a controlling spirit doesn't let the story go on and on and on. It actually stops legacy. Judas wasn't just controlling, though. He was also a complainer. Verse 5, Judas objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, can you hear kind of the complaining tone of Judas when he's talking about this here? See, the nature of a complainer is that you feel like you know what is best. Your way is best. Your ideas are best. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says it this way. He says, hell begins with a grumbling mood, always complaining, always blaming others, but you are still distinct from it. You may even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop it, 
But there may come a day when you can no longer. Then there will be no one left to criticize the mood or even to enjoy it, but just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. It's not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us, there's something growing which will be hell unless it's nipped in the bud. It's the nature of complaining, right? It just festers inside of us and it just takes out the love and the life in a room. But not only was Judas a controller and a complainer, he was also a consumer. Verse 6 says, Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And so all that Judas was doing was spending for himself. He was just thinking about himself. Selfishness was what was driving his every decision. And as a result, like I mentioned before, something happens in Judas' story. Because with Judas' story, it ends. It ends tragically. It ends with a horrible legacy. I want you to say this out loud, if you would, please. Just say this out loud. God, help me. Say it out loud. God, help me to not have that Judas mindset where it's all about me, where it's all about controlling, where it's all about complaining, where it's all about consuming, where it's all about me. Amen. God, help us, right? Now contrast Judas's story with then Mary's story, because Mary had the same choices that Judas had. But for Mary, she was caring. She was caring. She noticed what the others weren't noticing. She leaned into things that the others weren't leaning into. She listened to what Jesus was talking about, while the others were too busy and too self-consumed with their own interests. As well, Mary is also a contributor. In other words, she dug into her life and she actually brought something to give to Jesus. She didn't cling to her alabaster jar. She gave it away. And so because Mary was caring, because she was a contributor, she created then a lasting legacy. And this is what I want to suggest to every one of us, that this is what we're called to. We're not just called to consume for ourselves, to take up oxygen and take up all the resources that come into our life and just use it on ourselves, but actually to recognize that we're being blessed so that then we can be a blessing. And listen, folks, you are blessed. You are blessed. I don't care how much you have, how much or how little, you are blessed. You are living in a time in the, in the world where there has never been the wealth that exists ever in history. So no matter what you have, it's more than every previous generation before you. That's how blessed we are. And not only that, you live in America and you live in the great state of Texas where UT is winning. <laughs> right? Come on now. The Packers are losing. The Badgers are losing in Wisconsin. But UT is winning, bless God. So I want you to notice, though, something that Jesus does for Mary as a result of what she gives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, she said, he said, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now think about this, because this is exactly what Mary is doing. Mary made the decision 
in spite of all the mockery that was happening in her room, in spite of all the complaining that was happening in her room, beside all the, the, the controlling that was going on in that room, Mary makes a decision to confess Jesus, to worship Jesus, and then to express her love for Jesus. And as a result, look at what Jesus does for her. Because in spite of what's happening around her, Jesus stands up for her. And Jesus defended her. This is what Jesus did as a result of what Mary did. Look at this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now look at the connection here. I love, I love this because God's describing here that when we put Jesus first, when we give our first fruits, when we give our tithes, that Jesus actually stands up for you and he rebukes the devourer on your behalf. That's his promise for us. It's the same thing that Jesus did for Mary. When Mary stood, when Mary gave of all which she could, Jesus stood up for her and defended her. And listen, folks, there's devastation everywhere, all around you. The people's marriages are in devastation. Families are in devastation. Um, finances and job situations are in devastation. But God says, listen, if you'll put me first then he'll stand up for you and actually rebuke the devourer for you. I don't know about you, but I need that in my life. I need God to stand up for me. I need him to rebuke the devourer that's trying to destroy my life. But when you look at Mary's life, it doesn't just stop there. Because Jesus told Mary that her gift would be rewarded. Because it would go on and on and on and on. Look at this in Mark 14, verse 9. It says, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world... What she has done will also be told in her memory. Did you see that? Mary's story continues. It continues even on today. Her legacy continues. It goes on and on and on and on. Her caring, her contribution, her actions made a difference impacting eternity and still impacts our lives today. Listen, folks, this is what we're called to do. You don't know what your purpose is? Let me tell you, your purpose is not just for yourself. Your purpose is to give, it's to care, to act on behalf of other people. This is what we're all about. This is what we're about as a church, and this is what we're about individually. One of my favorite passages of scriptures in Isaiah chapter 58, and I love this in verse 12. I love how the message paraphrases it. It says, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, to rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. To me, if ever there was a scripture that describes your purpose, your vision, and your mission, it's this one right here. This is what you're called to do. This is what we're called to do as a church. This is who we are. Proverbs 11, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 11 says that through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. It is your responsibility to bless the community and the neighborhood in which you live. And bless is something that we do with our mouth as well as our actions. This is the reason why we take the month of October to prayer walk our community. Let me remind you, everybody, be prayer walking your neighborhood. 
And what that means is when you're praying or you're driving with your mouth out loud, you're speaking and just releasing God's blessing. Blessing means what, what you cannot do in and of your own strength. That's releasing only what God can do and only what God is able to provide. And so you're, you're releasing that blessing into homes and families and businesses and churches that are then in your area. And please, when you're doing that, we have a prayer walking map out here um, crossing the kids' desk. Please mark it on there. This is an enormously large area for us to prayer walk, but we take the month of October to specifically do that. And so just continue to press in on that and, and to speak then blessings over your neighborhood and over those, over those areas. And then as well, not just speak, but then we act. This is why we do legacy, so that we can be a blessing to our community. When you all gave to come alongside of the Clark family and the Pickens family, you released a blessing on that. And not only does it help families, but then God says he'll do something for you. He'll stand up for you, and he'll rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Everybody, this is what we're called to do. This is who we are. Mary did it for her generation, and now it's our turn. It's our turn to do it for our generation, for this area, for this part of the world. On your chairs, there should have been one of these little cards. These are your acts of kindness cards. We do this every year at this time as well. And so this is for you to take. And so here's my ask, A-S-K, my ask of you here this week. Do not just keep this for yourself. This is so that you can do something, remind you that do something this week on behalf of somebody else. Do an act of kindness. Bake a loaf of bread, make some cookies, take it to somebody in your neighborhood and just say, hey, I just wanted to want you to know that God loves you. You can leave, put a little card, put a little card right there just to let them know that God's thinking about them, God loves them. When you're in the drive-thru at McDonald's, don't just pay for yourself. Pay for the person behind you. Ask them to give this card to them and just and bl speak blessings. Some way, somehow, everybody, do an act of kindness this week, would you please? Don't just do it for yourself. Don't just think about yourself this week. But think of how you can come along somebody else and actually bless them. Do an act of kindness. This is what this card is for. Please don't keep it in your purse. Please don't keep it on the floor, everybody. Take this with you. You need more. I have a whole bunch. If one's not enough for you this week, you can take a whole pack of them and do a whole bunch of them. But I just want to ask you, this week, do an act of kindness. Is that okay, everybody? If you would, I want you to close your eyes here because I want to pray for you here. We're going to take communion here together. So, Father, as, as we kind of start really this, this fall season of, of thankfulness, as we're reminded through the holiday season of really what life is supposed to be about, that, God, that you would begin to turn our own hearts, our own priorities away from ourselves, Lord, that we would begin to see our life outside of our own selfishness and our own issues and things that we're consumed with, and that even in the midst of challenges or difficulties, in the midst of loss or the midst of heartache, and to God, that we would not collapse inward, but even out of that, that we would give then externally, that we would give what we can, what, out, of, out of what you've blessed us, that then we then would be, in turn, be a blessing to others. And so, Father, I pray for each one of us, God, that you would just stir that in us, and where selfishness, self-centeredness has kind of taken the throne in our life, that right here, right now, 
We want to lift you above that. We want to magnify your greatness in our life. And so right now, we, we take our attention off of our circumstances. We take our attention off of what's happening in this world and what's happening just around us. And we remind ourselves here today of your greatness. We magnify, we, we remind ourselves that you are our provider. We remind ourselves that you are our healer. We remind ourselves that you are the one who brings peace into our lives. We remind ourselves that you're our counselor, that you lead and guide us. And we remind ourselves that you are faithful to what you've started, that what you've started in us, you will complete. And so, Father, we just stir that up, and we stir up just how great you are in our lives. As we take communion here today, the Bible describes for us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, Jesus describes that every time we come together, that we're to remind ourselves of what God has done for us, that he has forgiven us so that we can forgive others. He has given so that we can give. He has blessed so that we can be a blessing. And so this is a time where we, we remember and remind ourselves and we resubmit our lives to him. We do what we call open communion here at One Chapel, which means you don't have to be a member of this church. It's something that Jesus has set, and we believe that to be true. And so I invite you to be a part of that. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never really surrendered your life to him, you can do that right now and step into this amazing adventure that he has, this adventure that takes you above and beyond what you could ever do in your own strength and your ability. The Bible says that you'll just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the simplicity of it. It's just the surrender of your life. And so whether you've never done that or whether you're doing that for the first time in a long time, I want to encourage you to let this moment be an act of your surrender, an act of your commitment in following him. We have two tables set up here in front, and how we'll do this is by sections, and we'll start in the front row of each section. You'll exit on your right. You'll circle around, pick a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and then just circle back into your, into your, into your chair. And when you're ready, just go ahead and, and take that. So if you would, stand to your feet, and let's do this here together. Father, thank you so much for how much you gave to us. We're so grateful. As we start the beginning of this week, Father, we let that stir inside of us, your greatness in our life. And Lord, I pray for your divine encounters for every single one of us as we go into our mission field, as we go into our neighbors and our workplaces, as we go into our families, that we would be your light and your arms outstretched, that we would show and demonstrate your love with words and action in very tangible ways. 
that, God, that we would truly be a blessing to our communities. Thank you so much for bringing us here together. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives and in our community. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, everybody, a couple of things. If you want somebody to pray with you before you leave, our prayer teams are always up front here to agree with you, to pray over you, to speak over you. And just let the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit work in your life. That's what they are always here. So please don't leave. If there's something you want to just bring that forward as well. Um, in five minutes, so it's 1045. So at 1050, we will start our five-minute party. So if you are here and you're new, this is relatively new, or this is your first service, I want to invite you. Um, just right up the steps. We're going to, instead of doing it in my office, we're going to do right at the top of the stairs. Just go up to the right. If you have kids, you can just leave them there. The teachers will take care of them. With some Topo Chico's, some snacks for you, and just a way kind of to say hi. It's five minutes. We'll be done at 10.55, but we'll start at 10.50. God bless you, everyone. Have a great week. We will see you next week.